What is going on people? Welcome to the long-awaited return of me doing a book review. I've had countless messages, like I couldn't count them because they weren't there, of people just begging me to do another book review. Because it's been like a couple weeks maybe. And I promised you one every week, but I just went a bit rogue. I went on holiday to Jersey to visit some friends. I had a sick time, so I extended it. I was meant to fly back on the Monday, I was meant to come back, report, record an episode, and I didn't do it because I just went away and had a bit of fun. So I was kind of considering maybe splitting the whole show up into series, um, but I'm not going to do that. So I just want to just announce that, you know, it's only a little break. I'll probably do that maybe every few months, I think, just a little break from the episodes, um, or maybe I'll have such a backlog at that time that I'll be able to just up upload episodes. I'll just need to get ahead of myself. Um, but yeah, that's it. That's the explanation. Obviously, if you follow on the Instagram, you probably probably saw that I threw a little bit of a hissy fit last week. I was just out of my normal routine. It sends you in a weird direction. I had a few bits of annoying to like moderately annoying feedback from people, and I kind of thought I'd lost my way a bit because. All my life, I've been the kind of person that when I really, really don't agree with something, I don't mind just telling someone to fuck off. And I've been explaining myself and asking me the question if what I was doing wasn't enough for people. And what a load of bollocks that is that I, I would even need to ask myself that question. So um, I put it in a post and seeing that people seem to respond well to it, not that many people unfollowed me and I'm hoping not that many people stop listening but I mean if they did they're not the kind of people that I would get on with therefore would probably like my show anyway so to save me having to deal with people giving me feedback that's by the way not welcome unless it's nice then yeah just I'll get rid of them don't have to have them as listeners but that being said I've got a book review to do and I've got to do that now so it's the book that I use for the book gang and it's Shoe Dog by Phil Knight. And I'm not going to lie, it's maybe one of my favourite books ever. Now obviously if you've been listening for a while, you probably know that I'm pretty fickle with my books. I do change my favourites all the time. Um, but I hadn't really read someone, someone's biography or autobiography, um, whichever one this is. I think it's autobiography, if uh, that's a biography. Uh, nah, who knows what it is. Um, you can tell I'm knowledgeable about books uh, but yeah fucking brilliant I've always been a Nike over Adidas person and I don't necessarily think that says anything about someone but I do think subconsciously if you're into anything like that you've got a bias towards one or the other whether that's like football boots or tops or trainers like you're definitely going to have a preference toward Adidas and Nike. I've always been a Nike guy. I didn't even know this book existed. Um, and then I got recommended it by a couple of people. So I thought it's fitting because it's a challenge for me as in a new type of book. And I don't know if I'm going to like it or not. And I thought, you know what? I'm just going to put it as the book gang's book, the book club, um, and see what everyone else thinks of it as well. And I can sort of read it at the same time. So for those that are in the book club, uh, obviously you've heard what I think of certain parts of the book, like the first two thirds. Um, and then obviously I ran away on holiday and I just uh, ceased communication for a bit. But Phil Knight is a CEO and creator of Nike. 
and he borrowed $50 from his dad and launched a company with one mission. is to import high-quality, low-cost running shoes from Japan. Now, in his first year, he only made $8,000. Now, Nike's annual sales today is like $30 billion plus. That was probably at the time of writing. Um, so I read you a little bit of the blurb there, if you think I sound a little bit like a robot. But um, it's just an interesting that he started the company literally with $50, which is chicken oriental mental, mate. Now, starting a company like Nike, it's obviously going to be well, well hard. And they weren't called Nike to begin with. Um, Nike, the name, came later on in the story. And it came from the temple of Nike. I think she's a goddess, a Greek goddess, in sort of relation to Athena, um, which is the goddess of war um, in Greece, I believe. Could be wrong. I read it about three weeks ago. But it was really interesting to see like the origins of lots of things within Nike that you all know, like the bright yellow boxes, the name Nike. He started off with the name Blue Ribbon, and they were selling Japanese running shoes called Tigers. Um, so, I mean, Blue Ribbon, I don't think, would have would have done so well. And the Nike swoosh, the Nike tick, that was born literally by just giving a woman a bit of free reign, saying, oh, can you come up with um, a logo for us? And one of her doodlings was the Nike tick, which is pretty cool. Um, and they turned that into the swoosh. You get to know Phil Knight. You know what it's like to be a CEO of a company like that. You get to know the stresses of it which is really interesting, like how long it took Nike to actually make any money. And for Phil Knight and his sort of team of about four other people that were there from the very beginning, or sort of built up through the years, the um, the butt faces, as they like to call themselves, of, of Nike, they didn't really take much of a wage for such a long time. And then when the company went public, instantly overnight, they were multi-multi-millionaires. And they talk about the adjustments that they've had to make to that life and who sort of changed with the money and who didn't um, but it is interesting to see that Phil Knight really doesn't seem to have changed he wasn't the best manager um, if you're looking at it from a kind and compassionate standpoint I definitely don't know if his management style would stick but nowadays I feel like my generation going into offices like we are a little bit softer um the generations before us before us like we've got different struggles um but we definitely take offense a little bit more like we are a more sensitive generation um than those before or maybe we're just better at expressing um emotions but before we get to his like management style it's interesting to see his story of sort of how he had the idea of it and sort of where he went away and this is something that i talk about quite often is sort of being willing to travel and travel and stuff like that obviously um to just save me getting an earful from anyone if you're in a position where you can't travel or you're happy that you don't want to um obviously i'm not talking to you i'll just be talking to people probably around my age that are in a job that they don't like um or they're just finishing university and want to potentially travel and they're just thinking about it if you're on the fence that's that's the people i'm trying to push i'm not trying to push people that aren't even on the fence if you know what i mean um but he started by traveling the world and that was his intention was to travel the world and do a bit of soul searching and then come back to his home in in oregon um with a bit more of an idea about where he wanted to go with um his life so his trip around the world inspired nike a multi-multi-billion dollar company um what could your trip around the world inspire in you there's an interesting question which we won't say on for too long um but a 
leading on actually to some of the last lines in the book now i know i am jumping about all over the place here um but that's just how my brain works and how this book sort of links everything up and the message kind of remains the same throughout and it's message to essentially everyone that will be sort of reading this book but especially those in their mid-20s he says i'd tell men and women in their mid-20s not to settle for a job or a profession or even a career seek a calling even if you don't know what that means seek it if you're following your calling the fatigue will be easier to bear the disappointments will be fewer and the highs will be like nothing you've ever felt which is pretty powerful stuff and it is so true i think the whole calling thing i feel a little bit like this podcast my calling but maybe that's my sort of honeymoon phase with it um you've just got to try and find something that's going to get you out of bed in the morning and when stuff does get you sad i mean it's kind of worth the struggle um there's a lot of that in a lot of non-fiction books that you read about people picking picking your poison and picking your struggle and he certainly did that with this and it paid off um in the long term because what you learn about nike actually quite nicely in this book is the stuff they do that's quite good for the world because obviously you got to address the controversy um around nike and well sweatshops and stuff like that they're now one of the leading sort of innovators in making sure that all of their factories are up to standard they're treating people fairly um, he's had to speak to a few governments in different countries about paying the shoe workers fairly and not in a negative sort of sense but paying them like too much because they can't have doctors earning less than people that work at the nike factory um in some of the countries that they have making the shoes uh there's another thing about sort of the damaging chemicals that are used in gluing soles together nike came up with a water soluble sort of method or what not maybe not water soluble but basically it was 97 percent less carcinogenic than what was previously being used and they didn't just keep that um technology to themselves they've given that out to all of their competitors for free just in a bid to make the world of shoe making a better place, which I actually think is quite nice. And sometimes people don't really know what they're doing wrong until they're caught. And it's then how they behave after that that really sort of speaks volumes about them, um, in my opinion anyway. And I think they've done the best thing that they could there because when you think of Nike, you do think of that controversy. It was like 10 years ago, uh, but sometimes I buy stuff from Nike and I'm like, oh, damn. Who made this but luckily uh i mean i've probably ignored that to be fair in the past but now i know that it's okay to buy from nike um not just on the basis that they've got some fresh garms just on the basis that they actually treat people fairly and they do a lot for charity they've also got charities that support women in third world countries so i mean i'm not trying to sell nike to you but i'm just trying to say that this book does open your eyes up to a lot of things that these big companies do that are positive um, and not just negative although of course phil knight's going to be a little bit biased because it's his company in it i think another thing that i want to get into this book before i wrap this episode up is just to talk about the hardship that he went through making this company what it is today and the amount of times that people tried to sue him uh, there was a time where other companies that were at the time like converse and other sort of shoe companies basically highlighted a tax issue with the American government where Nike weren't paying tax on the sold price of the shoes. They were paying the price on what they were buying from the other com companies. And they landed with a $25 million bill. And this is just before they went public as well. So 
couple of sleepless nights for a man like Phil, if I'm honest there. And he had it quite a lot where people would just seem to fuck him over. But I think what kind of pushed him through, he just believed in his product. He was unmatched, really. Adidas used to be his biggest rival. And, I mean, Nike's way ahead of Adidas now. But at the time, Adidas were the front runners in sort of sports shoes. Um, he had Converse as well with basketball. Um, but yeah, people just kept trying to sue him left, right and centre. And if I was him, probably would have given up. Thank fuck he didn't because, I mean, it means I get to read this book and get to draw from a bit of his experience there. But he definitely faced some tough times. Um, and I think you kind of you kind of expect it when you're making a company like this or like Nike. Whenever I say like Nike, I always think of Make, make Me Like Mike. You know the film with uh, Lil Bow Wow? Anyone remember that? Or is that just me? I definitely know a couple of my mates remember that from, from when we were younger because that was a sick film. Um, digressed, of course. Basically, he got sued loads and I'd have probably given up. You read this book and you think, do you know what, mate? Fair play for sticking at it because he had a fucking tough ride and it's never going to be easy. And this is the kind of book that if you have like any inkling that you want to do something with your life, you want to make something, you want to create something, this book is absolutely for you. Or if you know someone that's just starting something up, if you know someone that's just starting a new venture, be that a business or like whatever whatever it is, buy them this book because I think that will probably be the best gift you can give them. It's nice to support your friends in whatever they do, but this might just give them a little bit of knowledge and knowledge is power and if they can get themselves the attitude that Phil Knight had, then they're going to do well, um, as long as it's a good product. I mean, if it's shit, it's shit. Um, there's only so far your attitude can take you. You've got to create a good product. But yeah, buy this for your mates that are just starting out in something because it's it's a great book. I'll probably buy it for anyone, really. I'm trying to think of who I'd buy it for. If I had a gift to give to someone, and it was this book, I'd give it to anyone in business. I'd give it to anyone that's an entrepreneur. I'll give it to anyone that might be feeling like they're potentially struggling a bit. It's a really, really broad book, and I think a lot of people can take a lot from this book. So for me, not that I ever really do this, but I'm going to give it a five star, and I'll definitely be giving it a five star on Goodreads, which, uh, by the way, a little plug, you should definitely follow me on there. Um, unsurprisingly, the name is A Need to Read. But yeah, I'm not going to ruin the book for you. There's so many, so many good stories in there that you can draw from his experience and hopefully have his attitude run off, rub off on you a little bit. And the last chapter might just be one of the most um, emotional sort of passages in a book that I've ever read, apart from when I cried at the end of This Is Gonna Hurt. I didn't cry at this one, um, but it was emotional. It did, uh, did make me feel a little bit sad um, in general, I think. And that is just hats off to Phil Knight's storytelling because he was offered a ghostwriter for this book and he was like, nope, I'm shit at writing, I'm going to get better. Shows his attitude, doesn't it? He's got that growth mindset, I'm not good at this, I'm going to get better, as opposed to just accepting what he's not good at. He wanted to get better at it and he told one hell of a fucking story and what a bloody book i know i've said that maybe about four times in the last two minutes but i just can't stress it enough it's a hell of a book i'm gonna wrap it up there 
I haven't been reading the Daily Stoic every morning for about two weeks now. And you probably remember, maybe about 15 minutes ago on this podcast when I was talking about me throwing hissy fits, I think Daily Stoic is a key part of my routine and it just goes to show how important a little bit of insight from clever men 2,000 years ago really, really helps you in your day. And funnily enough, when I opened the Daily Stoic back up to the passage that I was left on, it was actually so relevant for what had been going on. So I'm just going to share that with you now. So let me just get my best reading voice on for you. And this actually comes from Epictetus, this one. And the subtitle is Don't Unintentionally Hand Over Your Freedom. So the passage is, If a person gave away your body to some passerby, you'd be furious. Yet you hand over your mind to anyone who comes along, so they may abuse you leaving it disturbed and troubled. Have you no shame in that? Boy, did I need to read that because I had been handed over my mind to anyone, left, right and centre. Ryan Holiday's explanation uh, in this book goes as follows. Instinctively, we protect our physical selves. We don't let people touch us, push us around, control where we go. But when it comes to the mind, we're less disciplined. We hand it over willingly to social media, to television, to what other people are doing, thinking or saying. We sit down to work on the next things, you know. We're browsing the internet. We sit down with our families, but within minutes we have our phones out. We sit down peacefully in a park, but instead of looking inward, we're judging people as they pass by. We don't even know we're doing this. We don't realise how much a waste, waste is in it. How inefficient and distractive it makes us. And what's worse, no one is making this happen. It's totally self-inflicted. To the Stoics, this is a, an abomination. They know that the world can control our bodies. We can be thrown in jail or tossed about by the weather, but in the mind, that's ours. We must protect it. Maintain control over your mind and perceptions, they'd say. It's your most prized possession. I needed to see that. Maybe someone else needed to hear that. If you like the Daily Stoic, and like when I talk about Stoicism, there's literally 366 meditations on wisdom, perseverance and the art of living. And the impact it can have on your life, it's massive, honestly. Reading through something like that every morning, it really sets you up for a good day. So, can't stress enough. Brilliant bloody idea. And uh, I'm not blowing my own trumpet there, but I think it's a brilliant idea, me chucking it in the podcast. Now, a little bit of housekeeping before I let you go. Obviously, do follow us on Instagram. It's at a need to read with the number two as opposed to the word. The book gang will be available to join for anyone, essentially. I'll put the link in the link tree below this podcast episode, and you can join there. We're currently reading Rebel Ideas by Matthew Syed, and we're going to be picking another book midway through August as well. I've got a bit of a bone to pick with everyone. Everyone that listens on Apple Podcasts. Where's these reviews, guys? I mean, if you like listening to it, just chuck, a, chuck us a review. Four, five stars, definitely do five. Um, chuck some nice words in there. Whatever comes to your mind, whatever you think of the podcast, put it down. Give us a review. Let other people know what to expect because I'm a small fish in a big pond and I need your guys' help to get this to the level that I think it should be at. So... This is me just saying, very kindly, please review my podcast. You legends. Hope everyone is well. I'll be back soon. 
Take it easy.